Let's take your scriptures in hand. Get your sword in your hand, which is the Word of God. Go to Matthew chapter 10. And I want to begin reading verse 21. I'm in a series of sermons entitled, Counterfeit Christianity. This is lesson number five. And I want to continue from where I left off on last Sunday, looking at the Word of God with you. Actually, on last Sunday, I, I sp- spoke to you from verses that follow this text. When I returned to explore even further, I didn't want to leave this out. Matthew 10 and 21. Now, brother will deliver brother to death, and a father his child, and children will raise up against parents or rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in the city, flee to another. For surely, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those who are of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. Oh, hallelujah. For there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, these are the words of the Lord. Whatever His words say to you, speak it in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach it on the housetops. And and here's the key. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I want to call today's lesson, True Christianity, count the cost. Point your hands in my direction, and would you offer a prayer for me as we move to the Word? Father, come on, pray, pray over me. Pray for an anointing. Pray for wisdom for me. Pray for strength, and I pray for you. Father, there is wisdom here because you're here. There is strength here because you are in us. And, oh God, I pray today that I won't think my words are the most important here today. It's your Word. I won't think my time behind this pulpit is the most important thing done here, God. It's your spirit moving in the chairs and the aisles and the choir and on this campus. So, God, just keep pouring out on us the anointing of God, the power of God. And I like to pray, give us ears to hear what the spirit would say. Give us a mind to understand the word of God. And give us a heart and a will to obey. In the name of the Lord, change us from faith to faith and glory to glory. And would you say amen? And amen it is. And thank you for being seated. By way of review, last Sunday I I spoke about true Christianity. Expect opposition. And I, I spoke on four thoughts regarding the expectation of opposition. Because I've come to understand in life as it is in my walk with God, anything worthwhile costs us something. Difficult things often have great rewards. Cost us something. And that's why some of you will do what you do by way of furthering your education. You do not feel that you are academically skilled or gifted 
but you want to improve yourself. So you challenge yourself. Finish high school. Go to technical school. Go to college. Because you understand that the price you pay and what it costs you is worth the reward. And some of us, we, we understand that it's going to cost us something to be able to start our own business. But there's a special reward about working for yourself even after there's a price to pay. There's a special reward about blessing other people and employing others and, 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 and causing the product or the resource you have to get in the hands of many people so that their lives will be enriched. So you count the cost. It's no different in our walk with God. Jesus said that when we follow His admonition to take up our cross and follow Him, when we take positions that are biblically sound, it's going to cost something. You see, Jesus admonishes us that if the Master in our text is ridiculed, opposed. The Savior experiences persecution. The servant should expect no less. And I say to you that because Jesus brought the kind of message He did, He wasn't always popular. Paul says about the message of the Gospel, which of course is the message of Christ, good news, is that the message oftentimes would be a stumbling block to some. Can I get, a, can I get an amen here? Although the gospel means good news, it is sometimes preceded by some very bad news. I'm going somewhere here. The bad news is that we are all sinners and we need a Savior. And for us to be told we need a Savior, for we to tell somebody else in a loving way they need a Savior, isn't always a positive or popular thought for them. For you and I to accept the fact that we need a Savior, we have to confess that we are morally bankrupt. I need a witness. There is something in the human spirit that gets rankled by the thought that... We're not good enough. Oh, help me here. I'm from good breed, good genealogy, good stock, good education, good family name, good reputation. And here comes Jesus and says, none of that's going to save you. And so some folks get quite disturbed Because they would rather have a God and a Savior who affirms them while they do what they want to do. That's where the rub comes in this politically correct America. The rub comes when there are churches and so-called pastors and other people of influence, including athletes and politicians and talk show hosts, radio and television. Uh, Are you all with me here? There are people of prominence and notoriety and they, they, they are on Facebook and Twitter and they have mass numbers of people following them 
who come and declare something about God and the Bible and Christianity that is inconsistent with the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the rub comes when we find out that God is not blessed, willing to bless us in our sins. He is willing to deliver us from our sins and give us a new life in Him. And when we just want to be affirmed and patronized, we are part of the problem. You know, in raising kids, somebody got to be the mom and the daddy. I know we want our kids to like us and we want to be best friends. But every once in a while, you have to say to that boy who's checking out his boundaries that that's your mama and my wife and you won't talk to her like that. I don't and you won't. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta say, that's a police officer, and you say yes, sir, to him. That man in the black robe, he's a judge, and you give him recognition. Although you disagree with your coach and your teacher, they are your superior, and if you have a concern and complaint, you do it properly, but there comes a time when, when your child has to understand that they're not mama or daddy. They might be one day, but... And so God is saying to us, I don't want to affirm you, I want to deliver you from your sins. And sometimes you get, you get the rub and the resistance of the world when you testify about Jesus and your salvation and deliverance. It makes them feel like we think they're not good enough. And we've got to be careful about that. But when there is light, darkness is dispelled. Can I get an amen? And so sometimes we have to make a declaration. I'm standing on the Lord's side. And that declaration will cause a division. Because Jesus said, unless you're willing to give up mother, father, brother, or sister, and me and my disciples, there's sometimes that even in your own household you have to say, no, you're not bringing that in this house. And you're not introducing this into our lives. And, and there's times when you, and you say it, there's a division. Even after your kids are married and grown up, even if they ain't married and they're shacking up. You know how I preach generically. I never name things. I'm just so scared. I never name things. Jesus said some of your worst enemies are going to be out of your own family. It's going to cost you something. Then you have to make a decision. You don't have to make a decision whether I'm Democrat, Republican, Tea Party, or Independent. You have to make a decision. I am a Christian first. Yeah. You don't have to make a decision whether I'm Baptist or Church of God or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Lutheran. And I hope all of those are Christians. You have to make a decision. Jesus picked me, washed away my sins, gave me a new life, cleaned up my reputation, wrote my name in his roll book, is planning a home in heaven for me. Jesus died for me. Nobody else did. When nobody else would have me, Jesus had me. He dipped me in red blood, washed me and made me white in the snow and my first allegiance is to Jesus give the Lord some praise yes somebody and once you make the determination then you once you make the decision you determined I will follow Jesus and I'm telling you it costs something to follow Jesus what makes these people in Africa And that stick church I showed you, come and worship on a Sunday, sitting on the dirt, or standing on their feet, and and, 
and they take their Bibles and they pray and they read and then they fast during the week and they share their faith and they don't know some of these people in the places that we go don't have enough food. They don't, they don't know where the next dime is coming from based on their currency. Can I get an amen? amen? Some of their little children are suffering and their bellies are bloated. But there's something about Jesus and about God and about church and about the Holy Spirit that in the midst of their world they cannot meet their own needs or explain. There's something about Jesus that makes me want to stay with Him and follow Him and, and obey Him because He keeps taking care of me. Can I get another amen? And, and let me say this, and I need to hasten here. Jesus said we would face opposition. We have to count the cost. And uh, sometimes when we face opposition, it's not because we're doing wrong. It's because we are doing right. And Jesus said... If the world or your family or your peers or your carpool members or your high school peers or your college peers or even people in the church because you're doing right rejects you, Jesus said, understand, they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I I carry my feelings on my shoulder. Sometimes the littlest thing offends me. I said to my wife yesterday, she's not here. Uh, she's coming in the next service, the next service. She's here next service. You know, you can carry your feelings on your shoulders so much until everything is wrong with everybody. The whole world. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere you go, it's wrong. The bank teller, something wrong with her. The lady handing you the, the bag at the window of Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, something wrong with them. You know? Uh... You, you go to school and, 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 and your, your, your class that day and ain't going good, something wrong with the professor. You know? You come home, something wrong with your wife and kids, a dog ain't here. Something wrong with the dog. Take him to the vet. You know what I found out about that? If something's wrong with the whole world and everybody, it ain't them. So I carry my feelings on my shoulder sometimes. Uh, let me explain I want, I want to please everybody in the church. I want to be everybody's friend. I, I, I want to be a shepherd and a pastor. I, my heart, I love people. I want you to understand, I love people. And if I don't love people, I don't need to be doing this job. This call. Okay? But sometimes I say things and do things or miss things. I don't always get to return the call. I can't make the visit like I'd like to. You don't know the times I go to bed thinking, oh, God, I wish I'd have made that other call. Just didn't, didn't have the time. See, at a church this size, sometimes you just run from emergency to emergency to emergency. I have wonderful helpers, and one of which is Pastor Darrell, who excels in the ministry of care. I mean, and, and what a blessing he is. Yes, I mean that. Okay? But... But, but I go through phases where I'm the, I'm the senior pastor and because I love people. People have been with me on this journey for 27 years. I want to be there. Somebody sent me a text this morning with a picture of their new grandbaby. It's Matt and Connie Palmer who are part of your choir. Their new grand, their, their grandbaby came this morning at 3.27 a.m. Why do babies... Oh, something's wrong with that. <laughs> What's wrong with that baby coming at 3 a.m.? Why not 3 o'clock? In? You see what I'm doing? And I, I text them back and I said, wow, awesome, praise the Lord. But the other day, Brother Sammy, somebody, somebody else counseling said, you know, going through a difficult place and their daughter is away from the Lord. She's grown and all. And, and, and this person I'm counseling, this gentleman said, I invited my daughter to church. And she said, I don't go to church. 
grown daughter. And if I go to church, I ain't going to that church. Meaning South Metro. What's wrong with her? And I carry it on my shoulder. What's wrong with us that everybody don't want to come? And then I hear a voice say, you keep preaching like you're preaching and you'll empty it even more. My, my point is, if you're going to be a mama, you, somebody ain't going to like something you do. If you're a daddy, somebody ain't going to like something. Just think about what will happen when you leave here after church. If you're with somebody in the car, if you, if you didn't come here alone, and you're going to eat, the question is going to be, where you, where you going? Where you want to go? I don't know. Where you want to go? And before you all decide, you all going to have a fight. Because whether you're leading one, ten, one hundred, a thousand, or just your family, somebody is not going to like your decision. But if you decide for Jesus, you're okay. I know that just was good therapy for me. It's not in my notes. It's going to cost you something. I said it's going to... Mm-hmm. Look, look, look at this, would you? This is the message. This is our text from the message rendition of this text. The version called the message. Let me read it. You follow. When people realize it's the living God that you are presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, they're going to turn on you, even people in your own family. Look at this. There's a great irony here. Proclaiming so much love and experiencing so much hate. Huh? Everybody ought to want deliverance. Everybody ought to want peace. Everybody... But don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. It is not success you are after in such a time as survival. Be survivors. Before you've run out of options, the Son of Man will have arrived. Please, as many people as you can while you're serving Jesus. But don't compromise. Can I get an amen? Amen. Bless everybody and be a peacemaker. But understand it'll cost you something. God didn't call you to be everybody's friend, buddy, and pal. God called you to be faithful unto Him. And if you're faithful unto Him, you will have a crown of righteousness. Give the Lord some praise. Okay, there's more to this text. Let me read on. A student doesn't get a better desk than her teacher. Wow. A laborer doesn't make more money than his boss. If I'm the boss and that's happening, I'm going to boss someplace else. Be content. Pleased. Even when you, my students, my harvest hands, get the same treatment I get if they call me the master. If they call the master dumb face, which was a expl- uh, explicit, explicative, or explicative, expletive. Oh, wow, I should have stayed in school longer. <laughs> See? Which is a cuss word. Uh, that's what I was trying to say in a very dignified way. The Bible says, Jesus said, if they call me Beelzebub. Isn't that the word? That's, that was a cuss word then. Because it had to do with a... A, a god of the Philistines. If they call me the master dungface, what can the workers expect to be called? Huh? Look at this. Don't be intimidated. Eventually everything is going to be out in the open and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public. 
about Jesus. Can I get an amen? Don't be bluffed in the silence by the threat of bullies. Keep, keep, folks, you got, sometimes you only got one chance among your family, among your carpool, among your church, among your college students, among your peers, among those you dine with, among uh, wherever you are. Sometimes you only have one chance to be salt in the world and light in darkness. The Bible says here, it says, look further, there's nothing they can do to your soul if you stand up for Jesus. I wish somebody say amen. There's nothing they can do to your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul in his hand. Come on and give the Lord an amen. Yes. Jesus said, do not fear those who can injure the body and put you in the grave, but fear the one God who not only takes care of your soul and your body, but if you die for my cause, there's going to be a resurrection morning. Whatever the world may do to you, I can undo and I can multiply my favor to my children, saith the Lord. Serve God anyhow. Pray anyhow. Read the Bible anyhow. Testify anyhow. Give to God anyhow. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Come on and praise Him. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, help me, Lord. Yeah. You know, the Marines, one of the things they, their, their slogan is, we're looking for a few good men. Huh? I read an illustration recently where there were some military recruiters at a high school. And the school had invited these recruiters from, the, say, the division of the Army and the Navy and the Marines, etc. And so during the assembly time, the recruiters were given some moments to present an appeal to the students for their branch of the military to enlist them. The first two of the recruiters, they took too, many, too much time on the program. And therefore, the Marine guy was left with only two minutes to speak. And he stood and he stared the students in the face with only two minutes. And he said, I doubt if there's more than three of you here who could even make it in the Marines. But I want to see those three at my table after the assembly. You know what happened, don't you? His table was crowded. <laughs> Jesus is saying, sometimes in the kingdom, I will call upon you to stand up and stand out. This is not an army for wimps. This is not an army for whiners. This is not an army for complainers. And people are going, what's wrong with the world? Can I get an amen? My Lord, sometimes God wants to give you a saw log for a backbone. Sometimes God wants to, to give you iron in your claw and grit so that you can stand up for him so he could show off through you. I, I got to hurry here. Jesus said, if I, was, if I came under attack, you will be also. When he preached about deliverance, he healed people on the Sabbath day. People, one, in, in one place, the Bible said to heal a woman who was 18 years, sick with an infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over, hunchback, bent over even worse than a hunchback, like this. 
18 years walking around. It was a Sabbath day. She showed up and Jesus healed her. And the self-righteous religious people complained that there's six days in which you could come get healed. Why come on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, you unloose your donkey and you unloose your animals on the Sabbath day and you take them to water. And how come you are so angry with this woman who is a daughter of Abraham, one of your own tribe and faith, who for 18 years have suffered and you're getting mad because I healed her and I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. It's amazing what we grumble about, isn't it? They did for Jesus. Jesus went preaching in his hometown of Nazareth. He went back after he got to be a grown man to preach there and he declared himself to be the fulfillment of prophecy. And you know what? They got mad because they said, you're the son of Joseph. You're just a carpenter's boy. He couldn't do many mighty miracles there because they just saw him as an ordinary. And they got so mad because he taught like he did until they started pushing him out of the synagogue. A mob got around and pushing him and they brought him to the brow of a high hill, a cliff. On, on, on which the geographical area nearby he was. They brought him to the edge and they were going to push him off and kill him and be done with him. And the Bible said he just walked through the crowd because it wasn't his time. He, he goes and delivers a demon. I'm running out of time, but it won't be anything that's wrong with me. It's because it's wrong with you guys. Anyhow, uh, just playing on that a little too much. Aren't I? He goes and delivers a man who has been an outcast of the community. Okay? The man... He is so demon-possessed. He doesn't have one demon. When Jesus asked the man his name, he says, My name is Legion. Which could mean hundreds of demons. The man is so demon-possessed, he doesn't live in the city or the town. They put him in the cemetery. The man is so demon-possessed, they bind him with chains and he breaks it. They bind him with rope and he breaks it. He don't even keep clothes on his body because he's so demon-possessed. He tears it off. He's so demon-possessed, he cuts his body with sharp rocks and, and other kinds of instruments because his demons are crying out in him. Jesus comes and delivers him, sends all these demons into a herd of swine, and the swines go running off a, a high uh, hill into the ocean. And this man is in his right mind, sitting with Jesus. They put some clothes on him, clean him up. The people from the town gather, and then the word goes to the town. The demoniac, the crazy man, the wild man, we all avoid it. Nobody want to go to When we go to bed at night, we can hear him howling in our, in, in our houses because he's so restless with the demons. That man is sitting clothed in his right mind because a teacher by the name of Jesus came to the cemetery. You'd think that they would say, come to our house, come to our city, we need some help. They told him to leave. If they told Jesus to leave, don't feel bad if you've got to leave. Just shake the dust off of your shoes. What? Anybody hear me? Just move on to the next house or the next town. Because if you're bragging about Jesus, your testimony will not return void. Okay, I, I, I got to quit all this stuff. I, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. I'm skip that. And I'm coming right here. When you face opposition and all the hell breaks loose because you take a stand for God. You can expect that in the middle of it, the presence of God. Let, let, let me show you something else. I'll, I'll show you something else. You can expect that when you are suffering for your testimony, for taking a stand against sexual immorality, and saying, saying I know your lifestyle, but I'm not blessing it, 
because Jesus doesn't. But you will always be my son. You will always be my daughter. I know your lifestyle, but I'm not blessing it because it's inconsistent with the Ten Commandments and the Scriptures. Oh, the Ten Commandments is Old Covenant. We're under New Covenant now, so why are you holding me accountable? Because Jesus did. Jesus said, I didn't come to obliterate the law. I came to make it better. Jesus said, Jesus said, adultery was forbidden in the Old Testament under the commandment. But he says, I'm going a step further. I'm talking about if you look on another man's wife or woman's husband and you have lustful thoughts in your mind and head about them, that's adultery already. So, so I'm here, I'm saying when you stand your ground and you say, I love you, but this, uh, Jesus is my Lord, you can expect opposition, but Jesus, your Lord, will show up. You can expect the power of God to show up. Let, let me hasten. You can expect that this you're going through is for a purpose. God is not going to let you be like Paul the Apostle. And, and I could preach about him and I have notes about him and I skip the, skip the scripture. Paul... Well, I'm not going to script the scripture. We think we suffer sometimes. Paul, he says, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And we ain't talking about Jack Daniels. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, journeys every travel, listen to this. He was in peril in the waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Listen, you still with me? This is Paul. He's serving the Lord. He gets thrown in jail with Silas. For preaching the gospel. And they beat him next door to death. But the presence of God showed up. Paul Paul says, listen, we are hard pressed on every side. Do you ever feel that way? Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Paul says, we're dying in our flesh. But if it's giving you life, that's the purpose. I, I may have to go through a little valley or dark place. But if it's giving you life, it's okay. Because he'll give me life. Can I get an amen? My, my, my help me, Jesus. Uh, the, the, a mother knows what I'm talking about. You go next door to death when you deliver a child. Can I get an amen, ladies? But you're given life. And so I say that whatever you are going through now, I wish I could preach this, but I'll take it up next Sunday then. You can experience wherever you are. If you're suffering because you, if you are a giver and you're criticized for giving and giving your tithes and offerings, and you will be, because the world can see another case of beer by your tithe. Yes, preach. It's, it's just coming. It's just coming. Yeah. yeah. The world can see a, a boat or a car, a payment, but you give it to the Lord. Whatever you do for Jesus, it is not in vain. Because the presence of God, the power of God, the purpose of God, 
Paul and Silas at midnight in a jail waiting to be further possibly antagonized, persecuted, maybe even killed the next morning, start singing. They start singing. And they start praising God. Because there is something about giving God praise anyhow that causes a jailhouse to shake, an earthquake to take place, and your shackles fall, and the jailer has a revival, he and his family, when they say, this must be some kind of God, tell me about him, the jailer and his family gets baptized in water before the sun rises, and the next thing you know, the people who imprisoned Paul and Silas are begging them to leave town. You are not alone. Huh? Do you remember Peter who was in prison because Herod the harasser? You remember Herod the harasser? He killed some of the former disciples and he saw it please the Jews in the book of Acts. And because Herod was a politician and wanted to please people so he could get some more of their favor and their taxes and their votes or whatever... He said, if, I, if, if killing James, the brother of Jesus, made the people happy, I think I'll find Peter and go ahead and kill him. But it was the weekend of a religious weekend. And so, so it was a time of unleavened bread and it was a sacred time. So it wasn't no killing time, but he put, he put Peter in jail. And said, come the next day when this Passover unleavened is over, I'm bringing him here and I'm going to deal with him like I dealt with the others. I'm going to kill him. The Bible said that they put Peter in jail in the inner prison. They put, four, uh, they put four different duty, guard duties. Every four hours, guards would change at the entrance of the, of the prison. You, you all still with me here? Give me an amen. Yeah. L- listen. Oh, whoa. Man, I feel this coming up in me. I'm going to bring my dad to preach one day. You, some of you haven't ever heard him. Uh, he's 82. And I, I didn't get this from him. My dad's very quite contained. But he's anointed. And whenever, when he gets anointed, he goes like this. That's, I feel some of my dad right now. <laughs> I hope you got some jail busted music getting ready to happen there. I'm, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. Look, listen. They, c- come here, my brother. Come here, brother. Stand on this side right here, would you? You stand on that side. Just, just, just put your arm beside my arm like this. Like, let me put my wrist. Okay? These are the guards. These two guys beside me, these are the guards. This is, I'm, I'm the, the man, Peter, who's arrested. They... Herod, in order to secure him, chained Peter, chained me to this guard and to this guard. Every four hours they would change. Oh, Peter is sleeping. Because I'm suffering, but I'm, I'm serving Jesus. They're having prayer meeting over the cottage, all night prayer meeting. And about, about the dark of the night, you know, you know, worst time. The worst time, your darkest hour, your midnight. I said your midnight. God will show up. An angel shows up. Stay right there now. Wakes up Peter. Get your clothes on. We out of here. He thinks he's having a dream. Next thing you know, chains fall off. We don't need you guys anymore. So you go ahead and sit down. I don't know whether the angel slapped you guys. Come back. No. So... Look what happens. I'm telling you the Bible, so you read it later. He wakes up, puts on his clothes. Don't think he has a dream. He goes to the iron gate of the prison. 
it opens by itself. The other guards, they, they, they must be blinded or, or in, a, in a sleep. Whatever the angel and God wants to do. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through, the presence, the power, the purpose, and the peace of God. Okay? They walk to the iron gate that not only exits, it opens up. It opens up by its own accord. You know these automatic doors? Yeah. They were they're in the Bible. It was the Holy Ghost doors. Because God opened them up. God, God, the angel and Peter walks all the way out of the jail, out of the city, to the prayer meeting house early in the morning. Angel says, see you when I see you. And Peter surprises the whole prayer meeting because he's knocking on the door saying, I'm out here. And wrote her, the girl says, Peter's out there. You know, you all are praying for him. Girl, what's wrong with you? We're praying for Peter. You must be half seen a ghost. Now come here and pray with us. Shut your mouth. But Peter, <laughs> isn't that just like us? We're praying for something. God answers it. We say, it can't be. It can be because if God is for us, who can be against us? Somebody stand up to your feet all over this house. Put your hands together. Come on, praise team. Come on. Give the Lord some praise in this house. I believe you, Lord. I believe that you are my presence. You are my power. You are my purpose. You are my peace. Come on. Come on and give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Now, let me tell you this. Maybe you're not going through persecution by way of your testimony, but you're going through something. It may be your health, it may be your finances, it may be your mind, it may be your sleeplessness, because the devil do not want you to have the peace of God. And I'm here to tell you that if you'll stand true and you'll stand strong, if you'll plead the blood of Jesus over your marriage, can I get an amen? Amen. You may not be able to pray over your child's bedroom while they're there because of the conflict it will cause. But when they're gone, you walk in that bedroom until that time comes until you could talk. Can I get an amen? You may not. You, 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 you just go ahead and stand up for the Lord anyhow. Because again, Jesus says, don't fear those who for a moment can antagonize you, give you a bad day. Stand with me and you won't stand alone. Bow your heads, please. Oh, Father, I I ask you now as I come to this moment of prayer. You know how this word resonated in the heart and hearts of the hearers. You know where this word met us today. And I pray it won't just meet us, but it would transform us. And so, I'm going to ask you by way of an invitation from Jesus. Pastor... I'm going through some of that place too. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Where there are times I'm carrying my feelings on my shoulder. And I think that I'm the victim. But when I back off and I measure what Jesus has already done for me, I understand that I'm not the victim. I just need better perspective, Pastor. Your head bowed and eyes closed. I, I need the presence of God. Lately I haven't heard from Him. Like I'd like to. And it's not a fault of his. It's perhaps my own desire to get delivered from my distractions. And focus on Jesus. I need the power of God like Peter was given through an angel to deliver him. Paul and Silas. And pastor, if God has a purpose in all this. I don't even have to know it right now. I just want to go it. I want to go it. So I can have his peace. Some area in my life is stormy. I want his help. Raise your hand if that's you. Hold it up. Yeah, that's, that's a bunch of us. Hold it up. Hold it up high. Thank you, Jesus. Now you may put him down. And the heads are still bowed. 
If you are not born again today, and you are so busy pleasing so many people and things, you can live to be a hundred. And by pleasing everybody and things, it will not secure your peace with God and a home in heaven unless you first say, God, you're first. I want you in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my situations. I need to be born again. I want to give you my heart today, Lord. I want to be saved. If that's you, raise your hand in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now you may put him down. Church, look at me now. This is how I'm going to close. I want you to pray in just a minute when I lead. I want you to pray. I don't know when your race will be run. I don't know when your number, for lack of a better way of putting it, will be called. But I'm here to tell you that the half has not been told what God has prepared for you. Paul said these are light and momentary afflictions. They, they cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Please listen to me. God doesn't just have blessings for you when you get to heaven. He has blessings for you today. Keep praying over that son. That God will save him. He will save them. Keep praying over your body. Keep their blessings in this life. Jesus said tenfold and a hundredfold. And here's what I want you to say. I don't want you to get like me. I get some time and pity poor on me. I just want you to thank him today. Thank him for not snapping his finger and wiping you out. Thank him for not, for all the times and we were, yeah, yeah. I, I just want you to thank him. Yes. Lift up your hands now. All over the church. As I pray, just begin to praise him and thank him. And then when you pray, ask him for his presence, his power, his purpose. Father, we lift up our hands to you this morning. We say, oh God, I thank you for not killing me. You could have, because I've sometimes been a greater liability to you than I have been an asset. Sometimes, oh God, I've been a poor advertiser of the gospel. But thank you, Lord, for giving me another chance and another chance. and another. Come on and praise Him. And, oh God, I pray today that when I get weary, I'll stop and I'll pray again. When I get discouraged, I'll call somebody who can be an encourager and ask them to pray for me. Come on, church. I pray that I won't burn out and I won't run out, but I'll run into Jesus and shine as a light for Him. I pray over our church today. I pray over husbands. Come on, men. Pray for yourself, men and fathers. I pray for wives. Come on, ladies. Pray over yourselves. I pray for wives and for mothers and grandmothers. I pray for daughters. I pray for fathers and grandfathers and sons. I pray for single moms and single dads. Come on. I pray for salvation to come to our house. Oh God, I pray that we would count the cost and carry the cross. I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost. My God, come on, ask Him to fill you with power today. We need your presence in our marriage. We need your presence in our minds. We need your power on our jobs. We need you to show us, oh God, how to crucify our flesh. Say amen, church. We need to come against the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We need to run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Oh God, let the fire of God burn in our hearts. Come on, lift those hands again and praise Him.
sing my brother Pastor Chad before we leave I want us to praise him in song come on lift those hands oh la la ma praise the Lord